Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can have this. Oh, come on! Who left the lights on again? Or you can have this, the bomb-proof family. Welcome to an hour with the Sacred Skeptics, the podcast found exclusively by downloading the KSL News Radio app. Here's Rick Henderson and Mike Bell on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 11:60 a.m. Welcome to a special edition of Sacred Skeptics. If you're listening to us for the first time, you might think that you misheard what you actually just heard. <laughs> Sacred and skeptic are two words that don't usually go together. What is Sacred Skeptics? Well, we like to engage current events, cultural issues, and spiritual questions. And we should tell the listeners that we are normally a podcast recorded at KSL Studios with new episodes weekly that can be found through any podcast program. It, it is on the uh, KSL app, uh, but it's also available on iTunes and in any podcast aggregate program. Uh, but today we are honored to be with you in the middle of a Saturday on KSL Radio. So, Rick, who are you anyway? Hey, <laughs> nobody important, but uh, I, I live here in uh, the Salt Lake Valley. I live in Draper, and uh, I happen to be a uh, campus pastor at uh, one of the churches here, South Mountain Community Church. So if you're ever in the area and that's something you would be interested in checking out, we'd love uh, to have you. My my family and I moved here uh, about four and a half years ago. We absolutely love Utah and the people of Utah. Ah, same with me. Moved here almost 20 years ago uh, to be part of that very same church in its infancy. And I'm now the National Director of Hungry for Life, which is a relief and development organization that helps churches and groups get connected to third world partners. Well, what is Sacred Skeptics really about? What drives us and guides us? Who can be a sacred skeptic and what does it take, Rick? Well, Mike, anybody can be a sacred skeptic, and it doesn't matter if you agree with the way that we think about certain things. You could be a very devout and religious person. You could be skeptical of any religious claims. The thing that unites sacred skeptics is not their conclusions, but really our values. And Mm. value number one is humility. And that's just being able to say, I could be wrong. Uh, I don't doubt truth, but I do doubt my perceptions at times. Mm. And so I I could be wrong. I want to be humble enough to admit that. And then I also want to have some guts. I want to have courage. I want to be able to say, no matter what the truth is, I'm going to follow the truth, whatever it is, wherever it leads me. And that does take some guts. Yeah, and anybody can can adopt those values. Absolutely. So we really want people to examine the reasoning processes and make sure they aren't thinking with their feelings. Uh, also look at the questions and assumptions behind beliefs on certain issues. Oh, exactly. And we're not saying don't have feelings. Yeah. We're just saying to understand the relationship between thinking well and feeling well. Exactly. So today we're talking about bomb-proof families. Stick with us this hour. We're going to talk about bomb-proofing your family with one of your children 
uh, when, when I'm sorry, when one of your children begins to fall away from their faith, that's one aspect Mike, of this. Let me just interrupt you real quick, if that's okay. I, what do you do when you start to recognize a slow fade in your in your kids? Maybe um, you, you feel like they're playing a sort of shell game with you. They, they have the religious veneer on the outside, but you're beginning to suspect on the inside they're really doubting, and maybe that scares you. You're afraid that they're losing the sacred that your family enjoys. What do you do in that? Right, right. And we're also going to address what happens when your college teen comes home with some new political beliefs that oh contradict your values. Uh, or, or, and finally, how do you bombproof against uh, the, the situation where you have a teen pregnancy come to the surface in your family? You know, Mike, I once heard someone say, when you become a parent, you quickly realize that for the rest of your life, you're only as happy as your unhappiest kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'd be somewhere in the gullible zone if we thought by simply loving our kids, that means they'd never do something that goes against our values experiment with something illegal or go through a phase that didn't feel like a bomb has been dropped on our family. My virtually every family experiences what we're talking about here. We cannot keep the bombs from dropping. But what we can do is take some steps to keep these bombs from blowing up our family. What are we going to do when the bombs do drop? So so how about <laughs> Rick, I'm just wondering maybe this is what we do. We just keep our ch- children sequestered away at home with no TV, no phone, no internet, no friends. Just maybe have a private tutor and a select group of people to play with and maybe sit around and sing hymns. Well, Mike, that sounds like you're trying to control your kids, and that's a tempting option for many of us as parents. I'm Is a- that a problem? <laughs> I would say that that, that it's, a, it's a problem. And, and when I talk to parents, when I really when I talk to anybody who's having a relationship challenge, I say, hey, you can choose control or you can choose influence, but you can't choose both. Okay, explain that a bit more, Rick, because I bet there are people listening that don't understand why you can't have both. <laughs> well, when I'm choosing control, I'm mandating, I'm, I'm trying to override their dignity, I'm trying to override their free will, and I'm trying to have everything hinge on my own capacity. And I'm not trusting them to think. I'm not trusting them to feel. I'm not trusting them to walk through this issue and make healthy choices. I'm dictating it. I'm the puppet master. And I don't think about it like that when I'm in that situation, but really that's what's going on. Influence on the other hand, is helping someone to want to choose what's healthy, what's wise, and what's best. It's, I'm going to respect your dignity. You're an individual person. Really, control is an illusion. I can't control you. But what I want to do is I want to present and guide you in a way of life that choosing what's right and wise and healthy is so incredibly attractive that you want to choose that. You're not doing it because I'm forcing you. You know, you said (laughs) it's the illusion of control, and really it is an illusion because free will makes real control impossible. We're kidding ourselves that we have any control over anything, really, except how we act and react. No, I can control what I believe. I can control what I think. I can control my behavior. And, and I've, got, I've got a son. He's 10 years old. I love him to death. And, and I could overpower him, but I cannot force him to think something. I can't force him to like broccoli. He just, I mean, there's, there's so many things that are outside of my control, but what mm. can I do? What can I, can I create a home life in such a way and create a relationship with such a way that he would say, even though... I don't like this. I choose what's healthy. That's that's influence. Control is I'm going to shame him, yell at him, do whatever I can to make him do what I want him to do. Right. Um, so 
Would you say that people who double down on control are usually people who are afraid? I, th- I think so, because what we're talking about is we're afraid that our kids are losing something that's incredibly valuable to us. They're losing the sense of the sacred. They're losing values. Maybe they're losing their innocence. And we want them to enjoy this thing. And when we see it slipping away, Mike, we get really scared and we try to control because we're afraid of the outcome. Mike, I'm excited to talk about bomb proofing our families, and we'll be right back on KSL News Radio to talk about what comes next. Cross author C.S. Lewis with John Stewart, and you have the Sacred Skeptics. They're on the KSL News Radio app. Back to Mike and Rick on KSL News Radio. All right, we are the Sacred Skeptics. Happy to be with you on this fine Saturday afternoon. So, Rick, let's get practical with what we're talking about here. Let me give you a hypothetical situation, and you tell me what you would do. You and your wife are sitting at dinner with your kids, one of whom is home from college and decides to drop a bomb at family dinner. She or he says, well, I guess there's no better time to tell you guys I've decided I'm an atheist. Now, I know you, Rick, you've spent your life arguing for the existence of God, talking philosophically about how morally perilous it is to even imagine a life with meaning and meaningful morality without theism. Uh, that's kind of a mouthful for people to think about. But you've argued for the historicity of the Bible, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and now your kid is rejecting all of it. What is your reaction? Well, Mike, before I give what my answer is, let me, let me just say this. I can understand why any college student who's asking serious questions about life might experiment with atheism. I don't want my kids to be to be atheists. I don't think that that leads to truth. I don't think that that leads them to a life of thriving or something good. But I can understand why it's attractive. I don't know if you were was I don't know if you watched uh, Stephen Colbert lately, but he had Bill Maher on, and he's a he's a really outspoken advocate and ambassador uh, for <laughs> atheism, and he makes it sound really attractive. I do admit there are things in the universe I don't understand. Okay. But my response to that is not to make up silly stories. <laughs> they're pretty or, good stories. Some of them or, are pretty good stories, Or Bill. to believe intellectually embarrassing myths from the Bronze Age. But you believe whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these were men who did not know what a germ or an atom was or where the sun went at night, and uh-huh. that's where you're getting your wisdom. Anyway, let's... <laughs> let's not... Okay, so he's come up with some clever little sound bites against people of faith. He's the master of the jab. And if you're young and if you're impressionable and you're, you're, the world is expanding, you're learning about new things, and, and someone comes along and they're engaging, uh, they're, they're charming in kind of a provocative, mean sort of way, and, <laughs> and he sounds intelligent and he's funny and he's easy to listen to, and you can think, wait, if that's true, then I don't have to live by these old rules. There's a new kind of sense of freedom and there's, there's an attractiveness there. And so, number one, before I even give my response, I just want to recognize I can understand why that might be attractive to someone. So I don't want to come down like a hammer on them. I want to, I want to love my kids. And really, our guiding values here at Sacred Skeptics and really from our faith background that we come to, come from is influence. We want to choose influence over control, and we mm-hmm. want to be loving. Exactly. And, you know, one of the great things about love is love casts out fear. So I don't have to be afraid. I can just be committed uh, to loving my son or daughter well. In, 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 and in that scenario. You know, this might be just evidence that unfortunately, even though we thought we were encouraging critical thinking in our children yeah. as they were moving from junior high to high school, but it, it must not have occurred where, where, you know, they own the faith that they were taught growing up. Mm-hmm. 
for themselves, and it's not just mom and dad's faith, but but something happened along the way where obviously they did not critically think through the issues of uh, intellectually, sure. uh, you know, and how I do un- I connect? And I can understand why mom and dads are, are freaking out and they're wondering, we let them down, we failed, we should have done a better job. I, I get all that, and, you know, something that we might unpack in a, in a, in a segment later, a lot of times shaming and, and feelings of shame are just adult tinter, temper tantrums hiding behind a religious facade, mm. and, and I don't want to engage in that and, and I tell moms and dads all the time go freak out in private but regain your composure when you're talking <laughs> uh, when, when you're talking with your kids and so if I if I've, if I've got a son or daughter who's home from college and they're talking to me about this I'm I'm gonna make clear and I make this clear to my own kids you don't have to believe what I believe but you owe it to yourself to know why you believe what you believe yeah that is so key so many young people decide beliefs based on how they feel about a certain issue these days, but never examine critically the worldview behind that belief. Yeah, I, so I don't want to beat them down. I don't want to shame them. I, don't, I, I want to create a safe place where my kids can say, Dad, I disagree with everything you hold dear. And I'm going to say, there's nothing you could ever do to cause me to love you more. There's nothing you could ever do to cause me to love you less. And I want you to believe this, but here's the deal. You don't have to, but you owe it to yourself to know why you believe uh, what you believe. You know, it was author and, you know, leadership guru Stephen Kevin. Mm. Uh, who penned this. He said, seek to understand before being understood. And so there is this overwhelming desire inside of me just to start preaching to my kids. I don't want to do that. Mm. I want to be the best question asker that they know. And I'm not going to ask gotcha questions. Yeah. I'm going to ask questions to try to understand how did you get there? What convinced you of that? Mm-hmm. What, what, what led you down this path? Tell me how you understand it. I want to know you because I love you. That is so key. I mean, the tendency is to freak out if you're a parent yeah. and and to just go go crazy on uh, in, in desperation and sure. do things out of desperation. You've got to keep your head in situations like this. My wife will often say when we're talking to our kids and they tell us something that's a little bit shocking, mm-hmm. that inside she's screaming, what were you thinking or yeah. whatever. But she's very calm and measured and she's saying, okay. Well, uh, what happened when you did that? Or how did that make you feel? Or, well, what are you going to do now? And she's very calm in her demeanor. And uh, that's an example to me. Mike, let me tell you something that's a guiding value for me. I want to be the safest person in the world for my kids. Mm. You know, I there there is that component that when kids love their mom and dad, they don't want to disappoint them. But I want, and so there's some anxiety and angst that kids bring uh, to the conversation. But I want my son, and I want my daughters, and I want my grandchildren. And, and even though I'm young, I do have grandchildren. <laughs> I have a daughter who's 24. Oh, my goodness. And a second grandchild on the way. But uh, I... I, I want them to go, no matter what, I know that, I, that, that I'm safe with you. I can talk. You're not going to freak out on me because you want what's best for me, even if we disagree about what that is. So then, you know, like, for instance, telling them what a disgrace it will be when the neighbors find out, that's not a good idea? No, not no. again. Not, <laughs> not, not, not again, hey, <laughs> shaming someone is just an adult temper tantrum behind a religious facade. So, But what about shaming their idiot liberal professors? Would that get you any traction? No, because no. there's probably spending more time with that professor than they are with you. And sometimes you want what's good. You have good intentions, but you're actually driving them closer to what, that person. What about how, how about if I quote Proverbs 14, one, the fool says in their heart, there is no God. Is that a good idea? Well, it's that might be a helpful <laughs> verse to explore, but not we don't want to use the Bible like a club. Here's the deal. Is this a bomb? Of course it is. You want to keep it from blowing up your family. Make sure your kid knows that you have their back no matter what. You love them. You will, That will never increase. That 
that will never decrease based on their behavior, based on their behavior, based on their belief. And finally, finally, model for them what it means to have courage to follow the truth, whatever it is, wherever it leads. Hey, you're listening to us on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back with the next step in bomb-proofing your family. Engaging the news of the day through the lens of Christian faith, the sacred skeptics. Listen by downloading the KSL News Radio app. Here's Mike and Rick. Hey, great to be back with you. We are the Sacred Skeptics. You can find us on the KSL app. You can also find us on iTunes, on any other uh, podcast aggregate application. Yeah, you can find us all over the place, and we <laughs> hope that you do. We'd love for you to become not just an audience member, but really to become part of the community. So, Rick, we've we've recorded a number of uh, uh, of these, uh, I think in the 40s, maybe the 50s? No, yeah, we're in the 50s now, the number of episodes that we have on Sacred Skeptics. So tell me, of the things that we've done so far, what comes to your mind, maybe one of your top three or four episodes? Well, I've got to tell you, I think one of my favorite episodes has been when we talked about the movie— the shack, and we titled that episode "Shacked Up," and and I think we give people a helpful uh, perspective on that movie. I'd love for you to hear that. Another one that's fascinating is when we talk about feminism and whether or not we're feminists. And <laughs> that episode went to a place that I never thought that it would. And we got to follow up with an author named Sarah Bessie who wrote a book, uh, "Jesus Feminist," and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed uh, those those conversations. And I think people might be surprised. Uh, and encouraged by what they hear from us in those episodes. Absolutely. Okay, so what do you do, Rick? Here's our next po- our, our next bomb. So, so we're talking about bomb-proofing your family. Yeah. We appreciate people joining us over this hour. Yeah. And we can't keep the bombs from dropping, but we do want to bomb-proof our families. All right. So what do you do? Let me ask you, if your son or daughter uh, someday comes home from college— and you realize that they've either adopted or they're drifting dangerously close to a political ideology that is hostile to your own values. Yeah. And this is a question for conservative parents who are concerned that their uh, college-age kid is going uh, uber-liberal. This is uh, a valid concern for more liberal-minded parents who are concerned that uh, their college-age kid has been has drifted into a conservative <laughs> <Okay>. area. <laughs> but let's be honest about what is more likely here, because <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard someone say, I've lost my child. They went away to college and became a conservative. Well, that may not be the <laughs> common story, but I know stories like that, really? and it's become a divide. I, I I know people that grew up in a more um, liberal-minded political family, and mom and dad had a hard time when they drifted into the Republican camp or the the conservative camp. Let me play a clip of how two political ideologies clash head-to-head. This is uh, Ben Shapiro. Uh, If if you don't know who he is, he is uber-conservative. He's he's a very conservative. He has the most popular uh, conservative podcast in America, actually. Yeah, yeah. a lot of of people like him, and you're going to hear a student ask him a question and you're going to hear his response. What's fascinating, right after this, the administrators of the school shut it down. And we're not going to get into who's right, who's wrong, but it's interesting to see how different perspectives collide with one another. So wouldn't you concede that it's possibly, possibly better to redistribute wealth then so that others are able to rise up, join the middle class, procure a better education so that they're a better workforce okay, redistrib- on a global Redistribution scale. of wealth does not achieve competition. Because it turns out that what actually achieves competition is the sort of values that you impose in your work life. This is why if you have a bunch of people who win the lottery, disproportionately people who are poor and win the lottery end up poor again. 
The reason people are permanently poor in the United States is not because they don't have money. It's because they suck with money. <laughs> and he ended with a little snark bomb there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, you know, and he has he has reasons that he believes that. But let's say let's say you identify with the person asking the question and you hear your son or daughter responding like Ben Shapiro. And that bothers you. Let's say your son or daughter identifies with the question asker and you find yourself resonating with Ben Shapiro. What do you do in that moment? And just to reprise what mm. we've talked about in, in previous segments today is that we want to we want to double down on love. We want to let our kids know, listen, there's nothing that you could ever do to cause me to love you more. There's nothing you could ever do to cause me to love you less. That is rock solid. The needle does not move based on what you believe or based on how you uh, behave. Mm-hmm. And uh, and let me say this, too. We also want to double down on influence, not on control. A controlling parent wants to be the puppeteer and because they're afraid. In this case, a parent is likely afraid of their child is losing their values, and you're concerned about where that leads. Uh, and I can understand the temptation of control. Mike, have you ever felt that as a dad? Oh, totally. And you just push them further away if you try to control things. Yeah, because they have an inherent free will. They have a sense of dignity, and they, they want to exercise that. And you've moved from parent to coach, really, if yeah. your kid's in college. At this time, that's that's correct. At least that's the healthy way that things progress, or they're supposed to. Yeah. And so and so we wanna we wanna double down on influence and that's we wanna be we wanna be the safest person that they know. Uh, even if they're concerned about disappointing us, we want them to know that they could talk to us about anything. We've worked hard over the years to develop that kind of relationship. And we're not we're gonna honor their dignity, we're gonna honor their free will, mm-hmm. and we're gonna ask great questions. And we're going to try to make the way that we think is true so attractive that they want to choose it, but we're not going to make them choose it. Yeah, it's like you said before, you don't have to believe what I believe, but you owe it to yourself to know why you believe what you believe. And so I would just imagine some really good dialogues about these new philosophical positions that they're taking, right? You know, if, I, if my son came home and he was and he said, Dad, I, and, and so I, I love capitalism. I think capitalism is, in, is great. I think the data supports that it's fantastic for eliminating poverty wherever it's embraced. But let's moral markets. Moral markets. Not crony capitalism. Not crony capitalism and unfortunately we have plenty of that too. So So but let's say my son comes home and he's just he's all about socialism, right? And and mm-hmm. I don't think that it's healthy. What I'm not going to argue the merits of capitalism versus socialism with him. What I once heard a pastor, his name is Andy <laughs> Stanley, he said this, uh, we can disagree on what's best for people, but we can't disagree that what's best for people is truly best. Okay, unpack that for I know us a little bit. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like Dr. Seuss on crack. Let me say it one more time. We can disagree on what's best for people. We can't disagree that's what that what's best for people is what's truly best. And so instead of arguing hmm. with my son's political ideology versus my political art ideology, I just want to say, can we agree that whatever approach we take it should serve what's in the best interest of people. Right. So, Rick, would you ask your son or your daughter to listen to a particular speaker or read a particular book? Uh, would you ask them for sources for what they've been reading or hearing? I mean, how, how do you challenge new paradigms and ways of thinking uh, that they bring home without building a wall with them? Hey, let me go back to something that uh, that Stephen Covey said. Seek to understand before being understood. So mm-hmm. I'm not challenging it at first. I am with authenticity, with integrity, seeking to understand. And this is not a ploy. 
This is not a tool in my tool bag to win favor with my child. This mm-hmm. is something that I'm doing because I love them. Because mm-hmm. I love them, I want to better understand them. Yeah. Because I love them, I want to know what 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 led them in this way. So I'm going to say, hey, t- tell me about this journey that you've been on. T- how did you discover this? What convinced you? And I'm not asking, again, this is not a gotcha question. Right. I'm not waiting to pounce. I love them. Yeah. I want to know what has influenced them. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, hey, read this, listen to that. I'm saying, hey, tell me more about that. How can, where can I go get information and consider the things that have been persuasive and compelling to you? That's what I want to do, number one, as a dad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, another thing that comes to mind is in our own sort of faith tribe that you and I belong to, uh, I've noticed in the youth that there is a slide that occurs where um, kids get into that college age and they they start to articulate sort of some justice and compassion issues, and they recognize that they should be about justice and compassion. Sure. But it gets tilted into a, a an unusual direction, at least unusual from a Christian worldview. And they, they kind of change Christianity into a homeless shelter. You know, yeah. that Christianity is all about doing um, acts of mercy and justice, which are important. But right. it's not exclusively that. Right. And so what, what's been uncovered by this, well, let me just first say this. Like, for instance, here's just an example. I've met some kids that are both pro-life and pro-gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, in my tribe, we would look at the Bible a certain way and believe its uh, statements to be factual yeah. when it comes to morality. And so we would take an issue with part two of that that sure. thing that I just articulated. But what we've discovered is that these young people, they've never been told what they should, why they should believe that justice and compassion are important biblically. And so what we're talking about is we're getting down to the fundamental authority. And, and, and you and I stand shoulder to shoulder with mm-hmm. that. And I'm going to start asking questions with the end in mind. Right. You know, what do people need for, for the best possible life? What, what do they need as far as wealth go, rights and freedoms, health care, education, safety and security? What, can we define what best is? And then we're going to work towards that. And, and let me just say again, our, one of our guiding values is humility. I could be wrong. I was thinking about this the other day. Our founding fathers broke with the political ideology that their fathers grew up in. Oh, wow. So we shouldn't necessarily be afraid of something new. Mike, I look forward to talking a little bit more uh, about bombproofing our family and looking at the next issue. And uh, we appreciate you joining us on KSL News Radio. Engaging the news of the day through the lens of Christian faith, the sacred skeptics. Listen by downloading the KSL News Radio app. Here's Mike and Rick. All well, right. We'd like to welcome you back to uh, Sacred Skeptics. You're listening to us on KSL News Radio on this conference weekend special. And if you are new to Sacred Skeptics, you might be wondering what exactly is that? And uh, what we're all about is. Humility, you know, acknowledging I could be wrong, and courage. I'm going to follow the truth, whatever it is, wherever it leads. And we want to apply that to the way that we think and the way that we relate. And we think that that could be helpful in engaging important issues with our kids, especially when it feels like they bring something to us that feels like a bomb is dropping on the family. Speaking of which, okay, Rick, I have one final one for you today, and that's this. Uh, you're sitting in bed binge-watching your favorite Netflix series, uh, Parks and Recreation. Love it. And uh, your teenage daughter walks into the room, and she asks you and your wife if she can talk to you. And after pausing the series, she sits down on the bed and reveals that she's pretty sure that she's pregnant. Wow. Now, this is a girl who was raised with a solid uh, biblical 
background. Um, she's had a focus on purity in her life. She didn't get mixed messages about behavior um, at home, and yeah. she did not rebel against her upbringing. Obviously, this is a shock. It's a shock. What? How do you respond to that? Well, number one, and and I and I hope that we've made it clear uh, in what we've been talking about today. I'm going to reaffirm my love for my daughter first. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you could do to get me to love you more. There's nothing you could do to get me to love you less. The needle does not move on that gauge. It stays full all the time, mm-hmm. regardless of what you believe, regardless of how you behave. Now we're in a situation, there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. I mean, she is pregnant. And I mean, should we be surprised that teenagers want to connect physically, not just emotionally with the opposite sex? I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. I want her to live in a way that's healthy and that leads to a life of thriving. And I, I make no bones about it. You know, I, I believe that, 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 uh, the sexual aspect of relationship is reserved for a covenant relationship inside of marriage, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm leading my kids toward. But I'm not going to be shocked if I discover that they uh, they ended up going another way. I need her to know, first and foremost, I love you, I have your back, I am for you, and I am with you in mm. this. That's awesome. So basically, you're saying you're going to say, we're going to go through this together. We're going to go through this together. Whatever. So do you discuss adoption? Uh, Would you ever discuss abortion? I would only discuss abortion if she brought it up, and I would and and I would I would ask really um, engaging, hard, difficult questions, not harsh questions, but because I because this is where I'm operating from. All right, this is not ideal. This is not where I wanted it to go, but we need to approach this. What's in your best interest, and what's in the best interest of this child? Right. And certainly, abortion is not in anyone's best interest. I can understand the appeal when people are desperate. But it's not in anyone's best interest. So we're going to talk about how are we going to do this. Um, are we? What are you thinking about adoption? That's not first on my list. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to figure out a way to keep the family together. But I'm, I'm certainly not going to shame anyone who thinks that sometimes that is a very healthy option. But we're going to talk about how can we be united. Let's take the next steps with wisdom. She's now in an adult world. I can't treat her like a child, even though there's something inside of me that wants to. Right. So uh, another question I would have is how do you and your daughter discuss this with others. I mean, we've touched on not shaming kids for their mistakes, but what about the opposite? I've seen parents on Facebook basically celebrating their their baby grandchild when there is no marriage and maybe no meaningful relationship with the father. No indication that this is an unfortunate situation. So I understand wanting to be accepting of the circumstances, but there's a difference between that and acting as if everything is just fine with you as a parent. Well, Mike, as a grandparent, I'm going to say I'm always going to celebrate the life of my grandchildren no matter what mom and dad do or don't do. Right. So and where so do you draw I the ce- line I on social media? I celebrate like the, the life. I don't necessarily celebrate how we got here. And I think yeah. we're talking about setting the tone. I think there's a way to publicly celebrate there's going to be a new child in our family. I'm going to be a grandfather again, although I don't go by granddad. I go by captain. Um, <laughs> and that's true. Um, can I call you captain? So I think, yeah, no, <laughs> I think we can celebrate the child without celebrating all the factors. Does okay. that, does that sound fair? Yeah. And you know, and let me say, let me, this is kind of a curveball here, but I've known of someone who went through this before and he found out that one of his teenage daughters were pregnant and he went to his other daughter and said, who's the biggest gossip at school? 
And she said the name. She said, I need you to call her and tell her your sister's pregnant right now because I just want it out there, and I don't want, like, a series of shocking conversations. Let's just get it all over with at once. Wow. So so would you in some way on social media acknowledge the reality that this is awkward? I probably, I probably would just say, hey, this isn't the way that I wanted to become a grandfather, but I'm glad that I get to be one. And I'm for my daughter. Let me know if you want to be for her as well. Oh, that's awesome, Rick. Hey, if you liked what you heard today, you can visit us at sacredskeptics.com. Not only can you listen to our podcast there, we have other things that we write sometimes, quotes of the week. uh, And we often post other content on our Facebook page and love to engage with others on social media. So thank you for joining us today on KSL News Radio.